This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 119. Wow, there's other people that are doing this for a living. I can do this permanently. I can I can do this full time. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Adam Levine. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's uh that's me right there on the cover of Men's Fitness. Have you I don't know if you guys have you, I mean, obviously you can't see this on uh, you know, listening on your iPod or whatever you're listening on, but I'm holding up a picture of Adam Levine that was on the cover of Men's Fitness, and it looks identical. Even the hair, identical to my host here, Josh Dorkin. Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking like when I come out to Denver next week, we should like have you put on a you know tank top like this and grow your beard out a little bit and do a bigger pockets magazine with you just like this. You just want to see me with my shirt off. Right? <laughs> Freaking me out. <laughs> All right. How you doing? Other than that. What's up? This is Brandon, by the way, my co-host. Hi, I'm Brandon, Josh's co-host. Hi, Brandon. Hi. Today's show is awesome. It's a great and show. And I don't man. say that word often, but no, this not, one not is, enough. This one really is an awesome show. It is a great show. And since you talked about you being in town, we are looking forward to you coming into town in two days. Thank you. But you know, when this airs, it'll have been like I'll a month be back or two home ago. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah, things are good, man. All is well. February was another stellar month for bigger pockets. I mean, we are just churning at all cylinders, helping helping people left and right. Uh, I mean, the success stories that we keep hearing about are are unbelievable. It makes it makes everybody here on the team ecstatic. I mean, we really are really happy and and thank you to everybody who's a part of our world and for for participating, engaging, for sharing bigger pockets and with with your friends and family and circles and anyway, I'm just I'm just really happy at at how things are going. Are you happy? Uh, happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, today's show, we actually have a professional or an ex-professional sport, uh, player who played a certain a sport, sport player. Is that what you call? It? I didn't want to give away what he does. I'll strike you, Brandon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. A sport uh, player. Is that what you call? Anyway, uh, a, an athlete, an athlete. Okay, fine. A professional athlete. <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and, uh, he's going to talk about how he, you know, got started with real estate and all that really good stuff. But before we do, let's do today's quick tip. Quick tip. Today's quick tip is Bigger Pockets is currently hiring for a number of positions. If you guys want to work for Bigger Pockets, go to biggerpockets.com slash jobs, especially if you're in the Denver area. But even if not, check it out, see what's available, and maybe you can get a world class real estate education while working for a world class real estate. I don't know, information organization. Organization. Sure. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're 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 pretty much gonna be hiring for ad infinitum. So yep. Great, awesome, good quick tip. Very, very good. Thank you. Well, otherwise, man, we, we've got uh, today's pro tip of the week. What is today's pro tip of the week, Brandon? Today's pro tip of the week is you can actually, I've said this before, but you can watch replays of all of the weekly webinars that we've done at biggerpockets.com slash pro replay, biggerpockets.com slash pro replay. You can, uh, yeah, check them out. We've done how to find, analyze and finance a property, how to make a million dollars in real estate, how to... 
Uh, what else do we do? The top five. How to be, yeah, yeah, we did a bunch of different things. How to buy a small apartment. Uh, how, to quit, how to quit your job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven steps and, to get started, all this and stuff. And more and more coming. And yeah. obviously, you know, all of our webinars are free. You can go to biggerpockets.com slash webinar and see what webinar is coming up. Yep. Uh, but to get the replay, you know, weeks, uh, you know, any old archives and stuff, you, you do need a pro account. So check that out. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Let's get on to the show. I think people are getting tired of hearing us talk about these pro sport players and let's actually introduce our pro sport player. All right, guys. Today's (laughs) guest is Graham Mink. Graham is living in beautiful rural Vermont. Rural. Yes. And he's done all sorts of really cool stuff. Landlord, He's done seller financing. He's tried developing. He's he's kind of tested the waters in, in lots of different ways and been successful in some and unsuccessful in others. And and it's just fascinating to kind of hear a story. And we had a whole heck of a lot of fun just chatting and making fun of each other on the show. So it's definitely a blast. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. 
camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So with that, why don't we bring him in and uh, get this going? All right, Graham, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. No, it's a privilege. It's an honor for us to have you today because uh, uh, I am a hockey fan. I am a, uh, at least Dude, I was a hockey fan. You don't even know what hockey is. I, I played hockey in my basement growing up, all right? I, I, also, Mighty, um, My, Mighty Ducks, greatest yeah. movie ever made. I mean, come on. You just aged yourself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're getting older now, Brandon, you know? I know. I'm no longer like a kid anymore. Now I'm like, I don't know, whatever. I'm old. 29. It's 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 a rough age. Uh, how old are you guys? You, yeah. You should we my, talk about that? You and that? my mom are both 29. Interesting <laughs> how that is. I will be 29 for the next like 40 years. It, yeah. yeah. 30 is a depressing birthday. I'm yeah, tell you. I'm not looking forward to July. <laughs> but that's yeah, all right. Yeah, I got a year till 40. So there you go. Nice, yeah, nice. I'm, I'm 35, so I'm right in the middle of you guys. Nice. So. Okay, nice. you're still cool. an old guy. All right, yeah. well, <laughs> okay, All right. Let me let me cut to this because Brandon can't get his uh, act together here. <laughs> you, sir, are are an active real estate investor with with kind of an interesting past. A little, I'd, I'd say, a little more interesting because we live in this culture of sports here in America, and we love sports. And so you were a professional hockey player. Is that correct? Yeah, for 13 years, I played professional hockey, mostly in the American Hockey League, which would be the equivalent of like AAA okay. uh, base, baseball would be. So, uh, you know, you're not making millions like the NHL guys are, but, uh, you know, you can make a, a good living there. And it was it was a good experience for me. And, you know, I played seven games in the NHL for the Washington Capitals over the nice. course of uh, three seasons when I was in my mid-20s. And, uh, you know, wasn't able to crack the lineup permanently, but I, I played with a lot of you know, excellent NHL players, a lot of good, you know, American Hockey League players and, you know, very happy overall with my uh, 13 years of professional hockey. That's awesome. awesome. I, I think there's one question that everybody wants to know, and that is, uh, did you ever get in any fights? You know, like, gloves. <laughs> I have gotten in a few fights. Okay, good. Uh, some of them are online, but don't judge me. Oh, don't okay. judge me by the fights. <laughs> we will. We will be putting those in the show notes if we could Dude, find them. That, that's gonna. That might affect my credibility as a real estate investor, but it's. Uh, I don't invest in real estate like I play hockey, so that's. Okay. He's the guy that you want on your side. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. We'll, we'll see. That's, that's awesome. All right. Well, right right before the show today, like we were doing something, you know, like getting the questions together and I find that you have a Wikipedia page and I want to complain for a second because you have a Wikipedia page and bigger pockets does not have a Wikipedia page. Can you believe that, Josh? I, you know, I listen, you're, yeah. you're trying to take away from Graham here a little bit, and we're not going to take away from Graham because Graham deserves a Wikipedia page. <laughs> I, uh, that said, you what? Bigger Pockets oh. also deserves a Wikipedia page. So if any of you listeners are Wikipedia uh, editors or whatever they are, like you guys, man, let's let's get this thing up and running. Let's let's get the the podcast. We got all sorts of, you know, I mean, we've we've had a ton of press. So I mean, we, we've got enough to be in Wikipedia. So if any of you guys are editors, that'd be uh, that'd be cool. But yeah, no, shameless, yeah. Josh, shameless, totally shameless and unplanned. Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a, it was, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, rabid hockey fans and, and a lot of great fans, especially in the minor leagues. You know, those people live and die for their hockey and they love their players and they're very supportive. And, um, you know, I'm very appreciative. And, and a lot of hockey players are to have those fans. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a job. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know if you're willing to talk about this. I mean, you, you you were not getting rich playing hockey. I mean, at the end of the day, you're kind of work, you know a working working man type of guy. I mean, and so you know, at some point, there was this thing that checked in your brain that's like, hey, I, I got to do something else. Is, yeah, is I, that kind of how it went? It's exactly how it went. It uh, you know, I, I played professional hockey for three years, and you know, what got me into real estate investing was one one morning in the summertime, I woke up and I was just. I was sick of being broke, not having anything, you know, everything I, everything I own could fit in the back of a, you know, blazer SUV. You know, I would go to hockey play, you know, we get paid over six months. So you get a full year salary in six months. I was making, you know, $40,000 a year at the time. And, you know, you get all that money, you're 22 years old and, you know, it doesn't, by the time you get to September, you know, there's not a lot left over. So I, I got sick of doing that and wanted to start, you know, accumulating wealth. And I was in a different situation where, you know, I had another career that was super intensive for six months. And then for six months, I kind of could do what I want. So I can't go get a real job, right? You can't, no one's going to hire you for six months. And, you know, I was just really, really frustrated one day and I was venting to my, uh, my father, who's a, he's a real, he's an insurance agent in, in Stowe. And, uh, he said, you know, well, I've been looking at the paper and there's this three unit building in the town next to your ours. Why don't you go look at it? And since it was coming from my father, I immediately rejected the idea. I was like, <laughs> nice. no, it's a terrible idea. I'm not doing that. And then I slept on it. And the next day I thought about it and I was like, sure, I'll let's go look at it. And I had knew nothing about real estate no clue if this was a good deal or a bad deal. Uh, it was 2004, summer of 2004. Um, so things were kind of picking up and uh, we went and looked at it. Cool. So, and th- you said Stowe, that's Stowe, Vermont, correct? Yep. Yep. Stowe, Vermont. So you are our first guest from the great state of uh, Granite State, isn't it? The Granite State of Vermont? Or is that uh, New, New Hampshire? I have no idea I, what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not up on the history. You, you live, you're in the, you're in the state. crack state over there, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in we're in the Green Mountain State, Vermont. Green Mountain State, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, it's it's close, and we're very small. I mean, you talk about Podunk all the time, and you know, <laughs> Vermont. I mean, we have six hundred eighty thousand people, and there's greater metropolitan areas that have more than that. So, but there's uh, a lot of wealth in the state. I mean, it's not a poor state by any means. No, measure. no. I mean, we have a lot of we have a very strong tourist economy. It's a it's yeah. a great state for tourism. I mean, people come up. We've got we're we're close to Boston and New York City and you know Philadelphia's not that far away it's a yeah. it's a close drive we love people to come up spend their money and leave <laughs> <laughs> nice i love vermont it's beautiful man i spent a lot of time there as a kid skiing and just exploring with the fam so yeah, yeah i love it if you haven't visited you should cuz it's a different it's a different place it really is it's it's very rural and you've, there's a lot of room and it's it's comfortable i i like i enjoy living here and i've lived a lot of places yeah yeah. All right. So you, you, your dad tells you to go do something. You smack him around and finally you relent and go ahead and check out this property. Tell us about what happened then. Well, we, we called the listing agent and we set up a showing. We went and looked at it and uh, it was three units and it was located in, in Morrisville, Vermont, and which is a town next to Stowe. Stowe is a ski town. We've got, you know, the, it's the ski capital of the East. There's a, uh, it's 
very expensive to live here. You know, houses are, are expensive and rental property is, is the same. So went to Morrisville, the threeplex was listed for $165,000. Two of the units were rented. Um, one wasn't, it wasn't on the, you know, there's no like real good areas and bad areas here. There's no like areas you need to avoid in Vermont. It's very rural <laughs> and safe and, you know, everybody knows everybody, but there's, there's nicer streets and there's not nicer streets. And this is one of the, the not nicer streets uh, at the time anyway. And, you know, we ended up looking at it and I thought about it and looked at the numbers and I just said, sure, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. So we made a full price offer and we bought it, which, you know, all those things I would never do today, but uh, <laughs> it worked out at the time. Well, so uh, the full price offer, 165K, what, what were the units running for? Um, whew, 10 years ago, um, I think I was getting like 800 a month for a three bedroom and then 750 for a two bedroom. And then there was another two bedroom that I think was 750. So, you know, this wasn't, you know, I didn't know anything about anything. And I was just hoping to have a place to live in the summertime and then rent the other two units out, kind of like a quasi house hacking type situation. So it it worked out well. And, you know, the best best part, I, I bought it right in October, which is right when our season starts. So I had to leave town. So my dad was like, I'll find you a tenant, and which is another <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> the first and last tenant he ever found for me, but... Uh, Good job, Dad. Yeah, she, <laughs> she lasted about four months, and uh, I don't know, there was some... There wasn't a good tenant. Anyway, um, so I <laughs> bought us, it. Tell us why. Come on. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I mean, I, I, we, we kid, but like, I mean, it, it would be interesting because this is a show that we, we really have our listeners here... We want to teach people, right? So, right, so right. what did what what did your dad do wrong? Who you know? I don't want their name, but like, what happened? Uh, I you know I he didn't. There was no screening. You know, it was just kind of put an ad in the paper, and the first person that shows up and has a security <laughs> deposit basically gets it. So that was the first mistake. And then nice. you know, there's there's no income verification, no background check, no credit checks, no none of that stuff. So you're kind of just rolling the dice. And you know, in my market anyway, you probably got. 70, 80% of the market is are decent tenants, decent renters. And then you've got another 10% that are kind of on the fence. Then you got another 10% that are really bad people you don't want to rent to. So I think this was one of the people in that bottom 10%. And, you know, pretty much, you know, she moved in and then a boyfriend moved in who had a criminal past. And there was the cops were called a couple of times. There was a door kicked in. Uh, the rent got paid for like two months. And then I don't know how my dad ended up getting her out because the, the eviction rules in Vermont are pretty strict, but he got her to leave. She left about January. She moved in in October. And then when I was fixing up the apartment, when I got back, there was just like random guys stopping by all the time, like <laughs> coming, coming upstairs and like, Hey, we're looking for so-and-so. So I don't know what she did for a living, but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. So, no, uh, Thankfully, my other two tenants uh, stuck with me. They were they were very good tenants. They had been there. I inherited them with the property, so it worked out well. So that was kind of a what not to do, um, but enabled me to move back in in the springtime. Do you do you remember how you financed it? Uh, I bought it with I don't I know it cost eighty five hundred dollars out of pocket. Okay, um, and I know I only, loans were different back then than they are today. So you don't oh have to my know god, that. You, yeah. my second deal, woo! <laughs> it oh, was we'll so get to that one. It was so easy to get money back then. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, 
but I, I had to put, I borrowed, I had 3,500 bucks in my bank account. I borrowed 5,000 from my dad uh, for a short-term loan because I was going to start getting paid again in October and I paid him back, you know, quickly, but it was $8,500 down. It was a, so it was like a 5% down payment. You know, I, I got the documents here yeah, somewhere. That's all right. I could look it up, but it's, no, uh, go get them. Go get them right now. <laughs> Stop what no, you're don't. doing. <laughs> and, uh, so it was, it was low money down. I was paying PMI and all that stuff. And the plan was to get a tenant in there and then to maybe refinance it the next uh, summer. And so when I went to refinance it, I, I went to a, a normal bank and I was like, okay, I, I think I can refinance now. I want to drop this PMI. And they did an appraisal. And this was how crazy the market was at the time. But I, the appraisal came back at 235000 Whoa. I bought, I bought it eight months before for 165000 Wow. <laughs> that was like light bulb. Like, wow, I made $70,000 in eight months and I did nothing except, you know, deal with problem tenant. But it, uh, my light went on my head like, man, you can really make money with this stuff. And, and it was, it was shocking. And, you know, the property wasn't worth 235,000. You know, the appraiser, whoever did it, and I don't know who it was, you know, the market was just going nuts at the time. So yeah, possibly. <laughs> and, uh, so the banker, uh, the mortgage broker that was like, Hey, your appraisal came back at 235, you owe 165. We can refinance it at 80%. And then would you like a home equity line of credit? And I was like, what's that? I was like, what, what's a home equity line of credit? And he's like, uh, you can borrow up to, you know, 90% of the value in the property and, you know, explain the rates and the details and everything. And like, I was like, and we're going to give you another $50,000 that you can use basically however you want. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, (laughs) sure. Sign me up. So, so that worked well too. So, you know, but the lending climate at the time was just nuts. They didn't really care. I mean, it was, I wasn't making a ton of money. And they're willing to just loan me up to 90% of value on this investment property. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Those are good times. So just to, to bring this to the modern world for our people listening today. So the loan was different back then. Well, you'll get, you'll get what I'm saying. Josh is laughing at me. The loan may be different back then. You put $8,000 or whatever that you had to pay to get this thing. Uh, today, the most common way to do that house hacking thing is usually through a, an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down payment. Uh, so if you're interested in that, just talk to your mortgage person. Most mortgage people can do an FHA loan. Again, yeah, three and a half percent down or even cooler is a 203k loan, which lets you wrap in the repair costs on a property uh, into that loan with t- still three and a half percent down on the whole thing. So anyway, I just wanted to let people know that's kind of a cool uh, strategy that a lot of people use to house hack. So um, and you can look those yeah. up on bigger pockets. If you, you want to get more information, just you know, search for it and there's yeah. plenty of stuff on it. And there's an article I wrote a long time ago and I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's called how to hack your housing and get paid to live for free. And it just talks about that strategy. So anyway, all right. Uh, do you still own this property? The, uh, the tripod? I do. I do. It's, I've owned it for 10 years. It's honestly like one of the best things I bought. It just really, uh, it just chugged away. It's just slow and steady. And you know, that was initially a buy and hold property that I still hold today, but my thought process at the time wasn't to be a buy and hold real estate investor. I didn't really get back to that for another, you know, seven or eight years. It took me to kind of figure out like, okay, this is how I'm going to make money in real estate. I wanted, you know, my next deal, I want to be a developer. I wanted to, you know, buy land, subdivide it, sell it. I wanted to, you know, I've got friends that are contractors. I thought about, you know, having build packages and and working that aspect of it too. So it was a buy and hold and it worked really well. It's still working great to this day. I'm I'm glad I bought it. I wish I bought 10 more of them back then Yeah. um, rather than going doing the other stuff, trying to do the other things to make, I thought I could make more money in real estate 
doing other things. And I was, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. So I, I want to hear about the, all that stuff and I want to get to that. We're going to press you and make you tell us all the details about all the bad stuff. <laughs> I almost said a bad word. All, all the bad stuff that, that's happened. But um, what's, that, what's that property worth now, approximately? I had an appraisal done last year and it was 205000 is what okay. the appraisal came back at. So. And what, what are you getting on rents now? Um, I get nine fifty for the two bedrooms and 1000 for the three bedrooms. Cool, that's great. So yeah, that's it, it includes it includes heat, which is a big thing up here because it's so cold, okay. uh, especially this winter. So if I wasn't including heat, you know, each one would probably be a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars a month less uh, to be market. But you know, nine hundred eight fifty is about the market value for a uh, two bedroom rental in Morrisville. Okay. okay, okay, cool. So so talk about you, you know, it sounded like you had an idea that I'm going to go and do some active stuff like maybe rehabbing or developing or, or, or more, you know, as we say, job type real estate investing versus the passive, more passive um, buy and hold strategy. Uh, so, so what happened? I mean, after this deal, you went and kind of explored things a little bit is what it sounds like. Yeah. You know, I, I had $50,000 to do what I wanted with. I also had some money that I'd saved up. Um, and I, I looked around. I, I've been flying places for hockey and traveling, and the rest of the country doesn't operate the same way, you know, real estate development wise that Vermont does. Vermont's very slow developing. It's very, you know, you don't have like 200 house subdivisions that go up in Vermont. And when you're flying around and you, you're flying all of these subdivisions and you're seeing these houses and you're thinking, wow, that's that's great. I want to do that. I want to try that. You know, I want to bring that here. But you know, Vermont likes being rural, it likes having slow development. It doesn't, you know, so because of that, it, it takes a long time to get through the permitting process to do that sort of thing. So I was looking for a house at the time, and this is when the market was the absolute craziest that, you know, it was, I mean, stuff was selling in days on the market. There's multiple offers on everything. So I couldn't buy anything in Stowe. I couldn't buy anything in, you know, kind of within 20 minutes. So I, I ended up finding a house um, that had 27 acres with it um, in Hyde Park, which is like about 25, 30 minutes away from my house. And it was two acre zoning. So I was going to get, you know, I want to do uh, nine building lots and and the house, keep the house on one lot, sell the house, and then, you know, divide the land, put a road in, put utilities in power. And um, I did all that. But by the time I got through the permitting process, a uh, two acre lot that I thought I was going to sell for sixty thousand dollars, I, I couldn't give away for thirty thousand dollars at the mm. time. So, I mean, it was. It, I still own of the eight lots. I still own uh, three to this day, and I'm actively, you know, marketing them, trying to trying to get them sold. But it's not easy when the you know land the the bottom fell out of land before the the whole thing, and especially in a rural area, it just was a you know poor location. It was a poor decision at the time, but you know, I, it didn't sink me. You know, I was lucky that I had another job to, uh, to bail me out kind of, and, and not have to get foreclosed on or file bankruptcy. Um, and once I do sell the lots, I'll come pretty close to breaking even. I'm probably going to lose, you know, maybe 10 or 15,000 if, you know, once I get them all sold, but it was a, it was a learning experience for me. And, and certainly the timing of the market didn't help. If I'd started two or three years earlier, I probably would have, would have nailed it and been fine. But I just, the bottom fell out of the market and a lot of people were kind of left 
holding, <laughs> holding cards that they didn't want to have. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, it was my second deal. Um, I managed to sell the house, which was big. Um, and you know, I was able to kind of get through it and I did. So it uh, was lucky. Wow. Well, so, so, you know, that, that, that's, it seems like a fairly big project for a second deal for a guy who's doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, what, what would you have done differently looking back? You know, if you could have done it completely differently, uh, knowing what you know now, what might you have done? Well, if, I mean, if I could really redo it, I wouldn't have bought the house to begin with. I mean, I bought this house for $315,000. I used one of those no doc, like signature loans, basically. I bought it with like $15,000 down. I mean, I just, I was really exposing myself. But again, I thought I was going to make one or $200,000 in a, a span of two or three years. And I wasn't going to have to worry about it. But and unfortunately, yeah. you know, stuff hit the fan. I wouldn't do it again if I could really go back. But if I say I bought the property um, from a development perspective, there's a, there's easier ways to go about getting quicker through the permitting process that I know of now that I didn't know back then where I could have like, you know, took a two acre chunk and, and sold that instead of trying to do eight units all at once. I could have done two acres at a time and did it a lot quicker. And so that's another, you know, kind of learning thing. And it, it was very ambitious. I was 24 years old at the time. I mean, you're, you make decisions when you're younger and you're more aggressive and, yeah. um, you know, I probably, I, I wouldn't do that now, but yeah. you know, that's the way it went. Yeah, I made, I made a mistake and you got to live with that. But, uh, it was a learning experience, you know, ultimately, it forced me to learn so much more about real estate and it was a lot cheaper than a college education um, is. So I, I kind of look at it that way that this was my education. You know, I didn't go spend, you know, $20,000 on a boot camp or a seminar or or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was too cheap. You know, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to spend that much money. I can't do that. But I did, I did have all the books. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Dolph DeRoos, you ever heard of that name? It was like this Australian guy. He was like a real estate investor. I mean, yeah. this is like 10 years ago. And I listened to like his books and stuff. And that was like what gave me the motivation to go out and do these things. But nice, nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on. Talk about, you know, so, you know, actually before we do, I, I have a question on the development thing. First of all, you said you were, uh, you were, you bought the whole property itself. You were to subdivide it out and sell the lots out, or you were going to build on each lot and sell the house with the lot. Yeah, I bought the house on 27 acres and I ended okay. up getting eight building lots. One of them had the existing house on it. So I sold the existing house and then I was going to sell the land for other people to to purchase and build their own houses on. Or okay. maybe I thought it was going to go so fast that I wasn't going to really have to worry about building, but I did offer build packages and things like that too. But, you know, people could once the market crashed, people could buy existing houses for so cheap. Why are they going to go build something? It made yeah, no, it made yeah. no economic sense. So it was like, great. Now what, now what do I do? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, yeah I, I asked that just because, I mean, that's kind of a, uh, something I would like to maybe get into someday is the idea of buying a big property, subdividing it, and then actually building all the houses on it or doing like you said, you know, like offer the build packages or whatever. Um, but the thing I've noticed with that is the people who seem to make a lot of money in that, I've been doing a lot of research the last few days on, on like real estate market, like the, like what is the real estate market and how the cycles work, uh, just for a blog post that's coming up and will probably be out by this time. But anyway, in that process, like I looked at the people that seem to survive the best at that game are the ones who get in while the market, you know, is still like on the up climb. 
But once it gets too close to the top, those are the same people that are left holding the bag when the market drops then. You know, it's just, I mean, the real estate market is like this, you know, cycle. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, it can be a fantastic way to make make money in real estate. But at the end of the day, it all just comes down to timing. And, and that's why we give it the name like speculation or, or those right. people are speculating a little bit. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but just something people should be aware of is you're not guaranteed to make a profit off that like your story showed. So, no, I mean, I needed, I got, I got lucky that I did get bailed out and that I could have a job to put money into that. And, you know, it was really, I had it under a, a fixed rate long-term loan and I, you know, I could, it was costing me like 500 bucks a month or whatever. It was like, that was like my car payment. You know, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to get a new car until I sell all this stuff. And so I'm driving like a POS truck around. <laughs> and it's like, you're a professional hockey player. How come you're not driving something nice? It's like, well, I'm punishing myself for making a <laughs> this decision. So I, nice. did, I did the same yeah. thing for years. <laughs> right. That's, that's right. funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. so. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, we've got the buy and hold, the triplex. We've got this this development deal. What what'd you end up popping into next? Uh, well, I met uh, you know I met my wife. Actually, met her in two thousand four. I remember calling her and being like, "I just bought a triplex." So, like we, <laughs> what we started. Date, what day did you meet her? Uh, what day did I meet her? Yeah, <laughs> he's quizzing oh, you here. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't remember right, the date I met. Not important. I don't yeah. remember the date I met. I know the either. date I met mine, by the way. Wow, that well, was because it was Christmas because you were sitting at a bar because you <laughs> right. didn't want to go to because you're Jewish. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's so that's what you do on. Right. That's true. I don't know. That's true. I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I got put on the spot the other day by by her. It was like I didn't know yeah. the day I proposed, and like right. apparently we're oh. supposed to know that date. I, no I mean, idea. if I could keep the anniversary date straight, yeah. I think I'm doing pretty good. I mean, <laughs> that's I, what I, I, said. I think that's good, but I, I'm not a woman. <laughs> I'm not a woman. So. <laughs> Birthdays are important. Valentine's Day is important. Yeah. You know, these yeah. are the things I, I put them in my my planner on my phone, and I. <laughs> Try not to forget, but nice. the day that we actually met, I don't know. I, but I'm just giving you grief, man. What's up? <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. That's okay. So, so what else? What else have you done? I mean, what came after that? You said you. you so met we your bought wife. a house. We bought a single family okay. house. So you're no longer house hacking. Well, it was a quasi because this. I still was on the development thing, and this house was located in town. It was in terrible shape. It hadn't been touched since the '60s or '70s, uh, but it had one and a half acres with it, and in the town you could put nine more units on that lot. So I would thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to chop a one acre lot off and I'm going to build, you know, eight townhouses there and, and rent them out. So, but we were going to live in the house in the summertime. Um, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to fix and flip this house and you know, this will be good. And so I got into the renovation part of the house and it ended up, you know, costing, you know, quite a bit of money, but uh, a little bit more, but we, we, fix it up because we knew we were going to live there for the next four or five years, you know, at least in the summertime to, to get the money out of it. So it wasn't really strictly just to make money. You know, I wish again, I knew about bigger pockets at this time and Jay Scott was on there and I could have read his books and, and done the numbers yeah. better because I wouldn't have paid as much as I did for the place. But, um, I ultimately did subdivide that I fixed up the house and then I subdivided the land off and I sold that to a friend of mine who is a builder and he built eight units on there and he's renting them. And, um, what I figured was I was going to make almost the same amount of money by selling it to him as I would building them myself and have a lot less risk. And he could build nice. it so much cheaper because he could build it himself. So it was kind of a win-win and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. So that worked out and we still, we still own that house today. It works out really well as a single family rental. Um, 
you cool. know, we're getting $1,300 a month in rent and, you know, our expenses are like $900 a month. So it's pretty, it works out well as a single family home rental. Okay. How did you determine how much to sell that, that acre off to your friend for? Well, I, I looked at what I could make with it on. I mean, you look, there's, there's not really a lot of comps, you know, Vermont is notoriously difficult for finding yeah. comps. Um, just so rural, there's no sales, there's no volume there's yep. no, and it's not really cookie cutter. Everything's kind of different. You've got, you've got mobile homes next to million dollar houses, you know, you know, the million dollar houses on 20 or 30 acres, but you know, you've, it's just, it's just different up here. So I looked at what, you know, we kind of did a price per unit thing. I was like, okay, like initially it was like, you know, 20,000 per unit. And then it was, you know, the market, this was 2007. So things were still on the way down. So by the time we kind of, we talked about the deal and then agreed. And then by the time it got to the point to pull the trigger, you know, he asked if we could reevaluate and I, I did and we did. So the price kind of adjusted down on a, on a per unit basis. And it was really what he could feel comfortable building everything for and still being able to, you know, have positive cash flow and make money on his end of things. So it was kind of, we looked at it or he looked at it from his perspective of what he needs it to be. And then I decided if I could live with it or not. So, and that's that we, so we kind of worked backwards in that sense. And again, this was, would I do something like this again? You know, possibly if it was the right, the right situation, but I, you know, my focus has really shifted from, from what I was doing back then to what I'm doing now, just because I want to be safer. You know, I want to be smarter about things and not take as much risk. If I, if I didn't sell that land, you know, I could have gotten in trouble. So, Hey Graham, really quick. What is, what does it cost? And and then I want to hear about obviously what you're doing now, but what what does it cost to subdivide a piece of property? So you've got this two acre parcel, you know, in terms of, you know, obviously he's paying you money, but you got to go and you got to do all sorts of stuff to actually do the subdivision. Correct. Right. The first, it depends on the town and it depends on where the property is located. And one of the things that I focus on in my investing is learning the rules and then finding the property, you know, that fits what you want to do, not the other way around. I think a lot of people get in trouble with permitting and with, with investing when they like, I want to own a 10 unit building. And so they buy someplace and they think they're going to add a bunch of units, but the zoning won't allow for that. So then they try to, they go to the board, they try to get variances, they try to get permission to do something that's not allowed that the, the community doesn't want there. And it's this huge fight and it's this big expense. So I work backwards where I look at the rules that each town has, the zoning maps, where that house fits in the bigger scheme of things. And, and what do I want to do? Okay. I want to, I want to put up a four unit building. Okay. Well, let me find a piece of land that's in an area where the town's going to allow that. And it's a lot cheaper if you do it that way. You're not, you're not fighting city hall, so to speak. So if you're doing that and you're, you're doing your homework and, you know, trying to work with the community rather than against it, I think, you know, you've got to hire an engineer first is the first thing to kind of do a survey map. And that costs about $2,500 to do the map. And then they've got to do design your wastewater, you know, how you're going to hook up to the town lines and your water lines. And that's probably another 2,500 bucks. So you're kind of, in for five grand for an engineer. And then you, you know, you fill out your applications, you go to the town, that's a few hundred dollars. If, if I represent myself when I'm speaking to the board, then it's free. But if you have to hire somebody, you know, engineer will charge himself out at $95 an hour to kind of present your plan to the board. And then you've got to put the infrastructure in, you've got to file the plats, you got to make the map. So to subdivide a thing, I would uh, like for that property, it probably, I probably had about, Twelve or fifteen thousand dollars into the 
paperwork process engineering to to get it as a saleable lot to somebody else. Okay. And then I'm assuming your friend that you sold it to, he's the one that went and put in like the water, the sewer, like all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. I had to get the permitting for it, which it wasn't, you know, it's not easy. You've got to get the state to, to do it and state's a big bureaucracy. So it's not always straightforward, but yeah, he, he put all that stuff in and he installed that and he, you know, he got a, he used his whatever from that point, he took it and, and ran with it. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Gotcha. Cool. cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's. I think that's really helpful for folks. Yeah. We probably should do more with development and chat with more developers on the show because I don't know. It's a cool, cool strategy. Just talk with them when it's on the way up. That one. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. PropStream it. PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by HousingWire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. 
PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You, you got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light doc and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. There you go. All right. So you said you did, uh, you know, after that, you changed your strategy in the beginning. Now you're a little bit more secure. So what is it? What are you doing today? What's your main strategy in real estate? Well, you know, kind of the bigger thing, the biggest thing was I found bigger pockets. I mean, I, I, it it really did. It really (laughs) changed my thinking. You know, first of all, like it, uh, it was great in a sense that there was an industry out there. Like I never, what I was doing back then, I never really would could even classify as like real estate investing. I was just working in real estate, you know. So when I found Bigger Pockets, it was like, you know, wow, there's other people that are doing this for a living. I can do this permanently. I can I can do this full time. I can, you know, and I've got people that'll answer questions. You know, it's like, who do you ask if you're trying to figure out, you know, something to do with a development? You know, no one does that <laughs> type of stuff. So when I found Bigger Pockets, I was like, oh my God, look at all this information that's here. It's all free. Look at these people that are found success and they've made failures and that I can learn from. It was really like a watershed moment in my investing career in my life as it pertains to real estate investing, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was doing, I learned from bigger pockets was on there. So it was confirmation that I was on the right path that I could do it. And then, you know, and that was probably 60, 70% of what I knew. Um, and then there was this other 30% was like, wow, I never thought of that. You know, this person did this and I might've learned it if I was done this for another 10 or 15 years on my own, but it just, it shortened my learning curve so much. And it just put me on this steep learning curve to, to just, I mean, for like when I discovered it, which is about a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe I, you know, I just read and read and read and read. And I just was on the site, just stalking and learning and being, and fine tuning and like, yeah, yeah, I was a creeper. <laughs> I was a stalker. And uh it changed my perspective and I was and then I looked back at what I had done and I thought god, the first thing I did was the right thing to do. And you know, maybe not everything I did was right, but this buy and hold strategy it works for my market. I liked doing it. I like being property manager. I, I like being a landlord. I like uh that people aspect of the of the thing. I'm not going to like it forever, but for now it's good. So I changed my focus away from the development stuff. That was going to be my primary thing was the development. But now my primary thing is trying to get enough of these, 
you know, little oil wells, like, you know, I was Karen Rittenhouse, I think was the one who referred to them as oil wells in like show two or something. And, you know, just pump out, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race. And that's, uh, that's really what, what changed my focus. And at the time when I, when I discovered it, I had like a, I, I had a commercial building, um, which is the best thing I ever bought that I was working with. And I ended up selling that this past summer. And then I was like, okay, this is like my ground zero, I can really focus on just acquiring small multifamily residential rental rental properties, which are, you know, solid as they can be and, and go from there. And that's really what I've focused on the last eight months um, since I retired from playing professional hockey. Wow. Nice. Cool. So, so tell me about that. I mean, like you said, you've been focusing on now the small multifamily properties, um, little oil wells, as you call them. Can you maybe give us an example or two of like, what are some of the properties you've bought and how do you, how do you finance them? Um, well, owner financing, uh, which I knew was out there, but was like kind of this, like, how do you get somebody to, you know, yeah. to finance something, you know, and, and, uh, but through bigger pockets, you know, learning how it worked, you know, talking with people, asking questions, it really like, it was like, okay, this is doable. I can do this. So, um, I bought a three unit building when I first got back in, uh, in May, I was in Austria last year for hockey. So I knew I was going to retire and I was going to, the gloves were going to be off and that's a (laughs) hockey term, I guess, but I was going to really get into real estate investing full time at that point. I was, I wanted to make a go of it. I want to see this. I want to be my job after hockey. You know, I didn't have millions of dollars laying around where I could just not do anything, you know, unfortunately, but, uh, so I, I negotiated this deal. I bought three units in a town about 40 minutes away. I got them for 95,000 and he owner financed it. Um, so I gave him a $20,000 down payment and he owner financed the rest. And then I had to, basically these apartments hadn't been touched again in 30 or 40 years. So I did all the renovations. I had, you know, hired subcontractors and, you know, fixed the place up, but not in the, not in the uh, sense that I was going to flip it and sell it, but I was going to rent it and hold it as a long-term rental property. So um, that's, that's what I did. And, you know, I put about you know, 75 or 80,000 into fixing up the three units. And now they're, they're rented and I'm in the process of refinancing it to pull my money out and do it again. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So how did you find it? So, you know, that, I think that's the question that the average guy probably wants to know, like, Oh, that sounds great. But like, how on earth do you go about finding a property that somebody wants to sell or finance? I get that question every single day in my email, right? You do too. I'm sure. Like we get that all the time. How do you find seller finance deals? So a- answer the answer the question, Graham. <laughs> for crying out loud, I've asked you a hundred times. One of the things we we skipped over before, I got my real estate license in two thousand six. Okay, um, and mainly because I couldn't find a real estate agent that had any clue what I wanted to do or was talking. <laughs> so I was like, I just got to study and get the get my license, and and I did. So I'm still a realtor to this day, but I don't really buy and sell for other people. It's just for my own personal use. So I have access to the MLS, which in Vermont is pretty important because most 99% of the stuff is on the MLS. Um, so I, I look for properties that have been on the market for a long time. And in Vermont, like stuff can sit on the market for years in Vermont. I mean, it's, it's, it's slower. Things don't move in 90 days here. You know, I think the average time of market is like six to eight months right now. And that's if it's priced appropriately. So things just move a little bit slower. So, so I look at a lot of properties uh, and I scour within two hours radius of my house. Every day I get an email that tells me everything that came on the market. And, you know, once a week I'm on the MLS for an hour or two looking for 
looking for deals. And, and so I found this one in, it's in Plainfield, Vermont, and it's outside of Montpelier and Montpelier is the capital, but it's, it's like the smallest capital in the world. And, uh, <laughs> I think it's like 12,000 people that live there or something. Wow. And, uh, but the government's there and there's jobs. And so this is about 10 minutes away, which, um, you know, it's kind of my target area. And, uh, I made, I talked to the real estate agent and was kicking it around. And this, you know, this guy, he was an older gentleman. He'd been owned the property for 25 years. He didn't have a mortgage. So that's very important. If you're looking for somebody that wants to own or you want to find owner financing, you need to find out if they have a mortgage or not. And you go to the town records, the town, at least where I'm from, you go to, you know, Plainfield town offices and you, you go through the, there's either a computer there or I, uh, you know, you can talk to the town clerk. They're very nice people generally. And they'll help you, you know, look up the, the deed information. And they'll tell you if there's a mortgage on the property or if the mortgage has been discharged and paid off. So you got to, if you want owner financing, you got to find somebody that doesn't have a mortgage. Usually yeah, there is subject to, and things like that. I haven't gone down that path yet. I may in the future, but, uh, and then you've, you know, it's kind of tired landlords, people that have been doing it for a long time. They've owned it for 20, 30 years. They just want to get out. They're ready to retire. You know, one woman I moved, you know, moved South. She just wanted to, you know, not deal with the property anymore. So that's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, and, not cool for her, but cool for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's no, both of us. yeah, it's, it does. It sounds like there's no uh, quick and easy way that you're using to, to find these deals. Though. I mean, you're scouring, looking for deals. You're not doing any kind of like easy filter. Um, there is, there isn't an easy way. At least I, I don't know of it yet. Uh, and that's why today to- we're introducing the new Bigger Pockets 997 <laughs> leads Filter on your machine. doorstep. Yeah. Unlimited yeah. finance deals yeah. in your backyard. <laughs> Ten thousand owner finance exactly properties a day. So, yeah, no, it's you've got it's people <laughs> skills. It's 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 learning. You know, when I got that, that was my first. Well, that wasn't my first owner finance deal, but you, you got to ask number one, like, yep. will this person owner finance? And you know. It doesn't work to just come right out and do it. You've got to work, you know, the relationship a little bit. You got to build a relationship. You got to build a little trust. You got to talk to the agent. You got to tell them this is what I'm looking to do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rip this person off. I'm, I'm, I'm legit. I'm for real. Um, and then the person has to be in the situation where they don't need the money right away. You're not gonna, you know, it's gonna be difficult to buy somebody's owner occupied house that wants to go buy another owner occupied house because. They're, they need the dough. They need the money. So you've got to find someone that, you know, would like to keep getting the passive income that they've gotten for the previous 20 years, but not do any of the work, which is what the owner financing really is. And then, you know, you sell the interest. You say, look, you're going to make five, six percent interest on this money rather than just sitting in the bank at, you know, a quarter percent in your savings account. So yeah. that's really kind of how it's gone for me. You know, one of the, I I love the idea of seller financing. You know, there's a there's a chapter in the book on investing with no one low money down that's all in seller financing because of this. Like, I I think seller finance is probably one of the best over the next ten or fifteen years, and here's why: because all these baby boomers. Oh, Josh is holding my book up. Look at that. I didn't have to. I didn't <laughs> have to do it myself. Still my thunder. You're I know. Still my thunder. This <laughs> this book might come up later in the podcast. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I mean, so here's here's the truth, or here's what here's my theory anyway, right? So the baby boomers, this generation of older Americans who are what today between fifty and sixty years old, or whatever. I don't know the exact age for baby boomers. Older, is it older? Okay, five, fifty to seventy, whatever. 
like the idea, like my parents' generation, they bought these properties over the last 30, 40 years. They now own them free and clear. Uh, I, when I was doing research for the book, I, I figured out that 30% of all homes in America are owned f- free and clear with no mortgage. 30%. Yeah. Shocking when I read that. It was shocking. It shocking. Was shocking. And so like- Shocking. Yeah. So people are like, well, wow. I don't know where to find- Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, this is unbelievable. <laughs> simmer down, Josh. Can simmer you get down. a going? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so seller financing, like opportunities are everywhere. And especially with uh, what I think- small multifamily properties uh, or even medium-sized multifamily properties because you got these older people. I mean, that's how I got my apartment complex, right? Older baby boomer generation. They like the income. They've been managing for 30 years their own property. They don't want to suddenly drop that, pay taxes on it, and then go and throw the whatever they have left in the stock market to, you know, try to supply for their future. They would much rather have the property that they've owned for 20 or 30 years, give them their retirement for the next 20 or 30 years. So I, I am a huge, I almost don't like saying that on the podcast because I don't want everybody else in America to like, oh, take that and run with it and leave me no <laughs> deals. Is. You got <laughs> right? a big ego there, Brandon. <laughs> we got a big show here. America's listening to we got, show. We got we a, six we got, listeners. <laughs> That's six million, maybe. Yeah, we're, we're going for six million. So uh, uh, now we got more than that. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm I'm a huge fan of seller finance because of that, because of that reason, because of the generation that's retiring, but they don't want to stick their money into the thing. So anyway, I think that's awesome. Uh, seller financing, you're using that. I want to get back to you now, since this is your show, Graham. Uh, I mean, maybe can you kind of share, like, what should somebody who's just starting out, doesn't have any experience, they want to get seller financing on one of their deals, what should they do? They need to learn about real estate as much as they can. For me, like getting my real estate license was was helpful. I mean, you see beginners and people like, where do I start? And it's it's going to be difficult for you to just find a seller financing deal and to get someone to trust that you're going to pay them back if you don't have you know if you don't present yourself well and you don't have a track record. I think it is going to be difficult. So I'm not going to like sugarcoat it and be like, oh, these are out here everywhere. You know, if some you know, younger person, some whippersnapper comes to me and it's like, give me your house and I'll rent it out and I'll pay you for sure. You know, totally. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. So you need to, you need to be educated. You need to learn. You need to, and that's what, uh, you know, what one thing bigger pockets is good for and, and read the books that people recommend on bigger pockets. That's what has helped me is it, it's opened up, you know, and it'll save you time and it'll, you'll get started to think about this, but you know, your book, Brandon, lays it out pretty, pretty well that, you know, to get started, you should be looking at these like low, low money down government backed loans, house hack, get in there. You know, you're young, you've got time. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Or, you know, if you're not young, you still have the advantage of being able to qualify for a three and a half percent down loan for a, a, a new person to find seller financing. It, it can definitely happen, but you're going to have to be a, you know, pretty good, you know, salesperson. You're going to, I think you're going to have to get lucky and then, you know, you're going to have to do a good job with it too. It's not like yeah. it's just getting, you don't want to buy a crappy deal if it's just because it's seller financed, you know, it's like whether you're paying the bank or paying the previous owner, like if you're not making money, you're not making money. I love that. Hey, so Graham, can, can a typical, you know, if there's some, somebody listening and they're like, well, I don't know, you know, about the the county recorder or this or that. I mean, can I just ask my agent and can they tell me if there's a a loan on the property or is the average agent not going to know that? Yeah, I mean, if it's listed with a real estate agent, they should they should know that information and if they don't, then they can find it out. I don't think that's yeah. out of line. I mean, it's 
you might not even want to waste your time getting to the point of talking to the agent if you're really looking for a seller finance deal. Like go, you know, I when I hear of a property comes on the market that I'm interested in, I go, you know, I go down to my town clerks and there's a computer there and I sit in and I type the address in and it it shows me the deed and when they bought it and you know, the mortgage is in there sometimes. So it shows me how much they borrowed to buy it. So maybe what they're thinking that they want to get for it. Um, if it's not listed with a price, um, on the MLS and then if the mortgage has been discharged or not, you know, I know that. And then when I go to call the person to see, then, you know, I'm already know that it's potential. So then it's a matter of building the trust and building the relationship with the person before asking, you know, it's not like you go out on a date and you're like, you want to marry me the first day? You know, it's not, yeah. it's not the way it should it, be done. It took me a solid year to get seller, like to get that seller finance department complex deal that I did. Took hold hold on months. guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 seriously. <laughs> I mean like this sounds like a lot of work and, and I mean like why, I mean, shouldn't the money just be handed to me? I mean, why, why do I have to actually work to do all this stuff? That's crazy. Yeah, it's. I don't work. I make my wife work. I just <laughs> sit on bigger pockets all day. Yeah. She makes no, us money. I, I, I make a point. My point, obviously. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. <laughs> this is it, not. It is, it is. It's work. It's and especially when you're getting started. You know, and it's said all the time on bigger pockets. If you if you don't have money, if you don't have, you know, you got time and you got work and you and you got yourself. So you're gonna have to put the time in to learn this stuff. It's it's like anything. And then. You know, the best part is, is once you get the ball rolling and it starts going, then you're going to find you'll, you'll have the time because the nature of the business enables you to make money. Well, one, and one thing you said also, just to, um, I had never really thought about this before, but you know, in, in gaining credibility to be able to pull off a seller finance deal or even a partnership or private lending, right? It's all kind of the same. You got to have that credibility and trust. One thing that you did, uh, that made a huge difference, I think was, or at least it sounds like it was getting your real estate license, right? So we all know that's good for the tools and stuff, but all of a sudden when you're talking with a seller and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a licensed agent, your credibility just goes through the roof with them because all of a sudden, oh, well, that guy's licensed. You know, like right. that doesn't mean anything hardly other than the fact that you took a 90 hour class or whatever, but in their eyes, like a licensed agent has a ton more credibility than somebody who's just, uh, you know, coming off the street. So if somebody's out there listening to this and they want to know how to build some credibility and they don't have any deals under their belt yet, that is one of the best reasons to get your license. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, it's the same as like finding a mentor or or something like that. Get in real estate somehow work for a property management company, get your license, uh, find a mentor, you know, scrub toilets if you have to, like if you, if you're going to be learning about real estate and figuring it out and and you'll just, you'll pick it up. I mean, most, if you're that motivated, you're going to, you're obviously going to be an intelligent person. You're going to absorb the knowledge and the information and you're going to, your your path will start to show itself to you. Yeah, I love that. I mean, people oftentimes, they, they hear people on the podcast or like they hear my story, your story, Josh's story, whatever. And we're like, you know, oh, I want to do that deal that they just did. I want to get a seller financed, you know, property right now or whatever. They don't realize that we did scrub toilets or at least I, you know, like <laughs> I spent evenings cleaning out you know, nasty Speak units. Speak for yourself, dude. Okay, yeah. Well, I spent I spent a lot <laughs> I don't of time even scrub my own toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't I don't do those things anymore. And so people think that they can just jump in at our like the level we're at today without having to go through all that. And maybe it's possible, but you know, I don't I don't think so. I think that early stage of the hard work and the hustle actually means something. So right. Yeah. I mean, walk if, before you run, right? I mean, yeah. If you got it, I mean, if you're lucky and. You know, uh, Brandon, you wrote an article about, you know, play your advantage. You know, everyone's got some kind of advantage. And that that really struck home with me. It's like, don't 
number one, like don't feel guilty that you have an advantage because everybody's got some kind of advantage. So if your advantage is you're young and you're inexperienced, you know, don't look at it as a negative, look at it as a positive. Like I got time, I can spend three or four years learning this stuff. And you know, if you start, if you don't buy your first deal till you're 30 years old, you're still so much further ahead of the person, the wage slave, that's just nine to five for till they're 65 years old and, and hoping their 401k is enough to make it through retirement. Like you're, if you start at 30, you still got 35 years until, you know, you really need that passive income. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That was one of my favorite articles I've ever written and nobody's ever brought that up on the, on the show before. Oh, I'm thinking. Uh, so thank you. talked about it, it on the show. Have we? we? I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. like that article. Okay. Yeah, I'm going like, to link to that. Show once in a while. <laughs> it's a I'm good gonna, article. Thank you. I'm going to link to that in the show notes so I can brag about it more. I, I nice. thought that was good. Hey, Graham, back in 12, you did a uh, a big old commercial building, this 10,000 square foot building. Could could we talk about that really quick and then we're going to move on to to the segment? Yes, it was a owner finance deal. And what happened was I had a, I'll try to be brief. I had another house that I was going to buy and I had under contract. It was a foreclosure. I, I, my attorney came back and said, there's a problem with the title. You're probably not going to be able to sell it right away. You shouldn't buy it. And I was like on the fence. Ah, should I buy it? And I, and I ended up not buying it. And then the next, like a week later, I went and looked at this commercial building and uh, that ended up happening. So that was very lucky. You know, when, when you see an opportunity that you lose, it's, it opens the door for something else. So that was the start of that deal. But then I went and looked at this building. It was uh, listed at 150000 It was in uh, downtown Morrisville, which was in the middle of a, the beginning stages of a revitalization process. They had, they had brought in some community planners, the people, the zoning administrator, like the government really was pro-business and pro-development. And they, they were going to get this downtown going. And, and I kind of recognized that back then. So I was like, I'll take a shot on this commercial property. It, it had a couple tenants in it. I, I made an offer of, uh, it's funny because my offer was owner financing and it was 110,000 and the seller took that as opposed to a, a full price cash offer because he was a, a Canadian citizen. And I found out later that he was not well and he was going to lose most of what he sold the property for to taxes for some reason. So he had some tax advantage f- to that. So, you know, if you're thinking about an offer, you know, throw it out there because you never know what's going to happen. But yeah. so he accepted that deal. The town had a fund called the Morristown Development Fund that was basically half a million dollars that you could present them with a business plan and they would lend you money to promote the economy in, in the town. So they lent me $125,000 and I, I took that money and put it into fixing up the building because it, it it was a hardware store for many years. There was a whole 3,000 square feet on the second floor that was residential back in like the 30s. And I actually found a letter in the wall from like 1918, which was pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's cool. When we were renovating it. But so I put the money in that I got from the development fund plus some of my own money into renovating that, turning it into office space found tenants for the office space, found another tenant for the downstairs and, you know, things were going pretty well. And I did a lot of the work myself. I, I, you know, a lot of it's just grunt work. I'm not a contractor. I don't pretend to be one, but you can hire a plumber. You can hire an electrician to do the kind of the skilled labor. But you know, if you got to take a wall out or, you know, smash something like that's, that's easy. You can do that. So I did a lot of that myself. And, uh, then this past summer, I had a, a gentleman approach me. He owned a business in town and he wanted to rent from me, but I had already, I was waiting on a pre, another tenant that was going to rent the whole first floor, which is about 5,500 square feet. And uh, I said, I can't rent you 
half the space because I've already promised the full space to somebody else. He was working on financing and the guy said, well, would you, would you sell the building? And I was like, well, I, I wasn't really planning on it. And um, at the time, that money I was going to make from that commercial property was going to be my income to replace hockey because I wasn't going to be playing hockey anymore. So I looked at it and I was like, well, you know, I would consider selling. And he's like, well, how much would you want? And I, and I told him and he said, yeah, I can do that. And we made a deal and it, and it worked off. So it was, you know, it was, it was lucky. And, um, you know, he ended, I ended up selling the building to him and getting all my capital back that I invested and paying off the loans. Then I got, you know, a, a decent chunk of uh, change to invest. But then I had this problem, like I need income. I can't just live off of this sale because it's going to disappear. It's going to be gone. So that's when I was like, this is my opportunity to really put to use what I've been learning over the past 12 months, you know, through books and bigger pockets and things. And, and I started looking for owner financing deals that I could get with like 10% down um, and buying these properties and, and putting tenants in them. And, and that's kind of what I did for eight months and things just slowed down. I just rented the last unit on February 1st and now I'm trying to refinance everything to get some more money to, to do it again. So that's kind of where I was at. And the commercial property was, you know, was the best thing I ever bought. And it was kind of a unintentional commercial flip, um, yeah. fix and flip. I didn't mean to do it, but it, it worked out that way. And, you know, that's part of real estate. You're just being dynamic and rolling with the punches when, when something happens or goes one way, you know, just kind of figure out a way you can benefit from it and, and do that. That's cool. That's what, do, you mind, yeah. do you mind me asking how much you made on that? You don't have to uh, say it. You don't have to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, I made, uh, it was over six figures that I okay. made on the property. That's great. So for holding it for two yeah. years and, uh, you know, it was, it worked out really well. And I, I spent all of that money nice. on buying other yeah. stuff. So <laughs> no, my that's what we like, do. you're crazy. But I was like, we need the income. We need, that's funny. You know? Yeah. Well, so, like, yeah, isn't that what great. Grant Cardone said? He said, whenever he makes money, right, he just pours it back into real estate and he's always broke. <laughs> like, because right. right. what, what good does it do sitting in your bank account? Nothing. Right. Yeah. So no, and that that Grant Cardone show was great. That, that was, was great. That was a great show. Yeah, that it was, was a good show. Sure. All right. Cool. Well, hey, let's move on to the fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, the world famous fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which people can get to and engage on at biggerpockets.com slash forums. So uh, question number one. When contacting a seller, especially about seller financing, I'll add that part in there. But when contacting a seller, what information do you request from them? Uh, well, how much they want for the building, how much they're looking to get, what the gross rents are, and what their annual expenses are. Those are the three f- most important things that I look at. And you've obviously got to verify all that information, but... Yeah. Um, I'm at the point where if I know how much they want and I know how much they're getting for rent, I can. I don't even really need to know what their expenses are. I'm just really gauging, trying to gauge their their honesty <laughs> or their, you know, how much they know about their building or how well managed it is. Because you know, you can you use like the 50% rule or the 60%. You know, it's more like 60 where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and then I can gain a value for the building and if it was, uh, if it's something I want to pursue or not. So those are the, my first kind of questions. And then I get, you know, I don't come out and say right away, like, will you, will you want to finance it for me? Because it's, you know, again, you gotta, you gotta build a relationship before you can really do that. 
Yeah, that's yeah. true. You, you just mentioned the fifty percent rule. I was I was going to go there. That's really funny. Oh, well, I was going to say. <laughs> so people who don't know what it is, it means that on they say on average it's a rule of thumb, not a you know not a rule, but it's a rule of thumb that on average half of your income goes out to expenses, not counting the mortgage. Um, and so you know if you had a thousand a month rent, you could expect five hundred just to leave in expenses, then you pay your mortgage and whatever's left might be your cash flow. Anyway, uh, I thought it was funny. I just did my taxes last night. I spent the whole day yesterday doing them. My expenses came to fifty one percent. Like not counting the more, I mean, it was almost exactly 50% rule last year, which is crazy to think like how close that rule of thumb was for me. So, but, but, it, but that's a BS rule of thumb, Brandon. I mean, 50%. <laughs> and it's that's different. crazy. Well, like you said, yeah, 60% for you, right? So well, I know. Yeah. I'm again being facetious yeah, here, sure. but it, it changes this is experienced people, you know, prove that over the long term, the quote unquote rule. It's not a rule. It's a rule of thumb, but you know, it's right. a good way to estimate this thing is going to be between 50 and 60%. It, and, and it, it really does tend to hold true. And, and, you know, for, for those people, you know, don't use it as a means to buy a property, but you can definitely use it as a means to filter out some information and help you speed up, you know, the kind of calculation in your brain. Oh, yep. for sure. I mean, it's a quick way in three seconds to tell, you know, this person's way out of off base with what their property is worth and if it's something you can you can pursue or not. And bigger that was one of the first things I learned on bigger pockets. I'd never heard of the 50% rule. Uh, and I was like, what? That's ludicrous. There's no way it's 50%. And then sure enough, like as I've grown and gotten bigger and and you might be able to with one property, you might be able to massage it a little bit, but it's it's pretty close. I mean it well, really the massaging comes from like, hey, I'm not accounting for management. Hey, right. I didn't have to do any repairs this year. Hey, I didn't have any vacancies this year. But right. you know what? If you hold that building for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you're going to have all the above. And, right. and you have to account for it, period. Right. And it's just, I mean, to, to yeah. not do that is, is silly, which is why we built these calculators at biggerpockets.com slash calc. I mean, you, you know, these tools, you know, we've, we've actually had some people say, well, it's not fair to give calculators to people who don't know how to use them. In fact, I think that's your good ben friend, Leibovich. Ben Leibovich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ben Leibovich coming at you. <laughs> I love Ben. I love but, Ben. That's but like that's, I don't know him, but to, to me, it's silly <laughs> because you know what I mean. The tools help you learn. That's that's the beauty yeah. of these things. You know, yeah. like running through these things, you actually learn. You know that there are more expenses. You learn what they are if you didn't know what they were before, and you learn how to kind of account for them. And, and so if you haven't checked out the calculators, definitely go to biggerpockets.com slash calc, C-A-L-C, and uh, you know we, we recommend testing them out. So there you go. That's there what I got. Go. All right. All right. Next, next question. Fire round. What are the pros and cons? That was the longest fire round question we've ever done, by the way. Well, we just kind of go I blame Graham. <laughs> I digress. Uh, All right. What are the pros and cons of single family houses, uh, SFHs versus the MFHs and multifamilies? Singles versus multis? Um, I, in, in my experience, single families are a lot easier to rent. People want to live in a house, not more so than an apartment, I feel like, in my area. There's less problems. You can, you can pass more expenses onto the tenants in single families. It doesn't really make sense to just buy singles up here, but I've found from renting singles that those are the advantages. For multifamilies, you've got, you know, one roof, you've got multiple tenants. You know, so if someone moves out, your vacancy hit, you know, is a lot softer. You only have one roof, you generally have one heating system, you got, you know, one foundation, you got one driveway, you got one garbage. Economies of scale. If there's a problem, you're you're driving to one place and if you have 
you know, three problems, they could all, you know, they're all there if you've got 12 units. But if you've got 12 single families and you've got three problems, you could be driving all over town. So I like multis. I, I don't really, I'm not even a big duplex fan. I, I find I need three plus units to really get the numbers where I want them to be. Yeah. And that is a big, you know, you said like you started that whole entire answer with in my area, you know, whatever, like it, it depends on your area. Some people might have great single family houses. Some might have yep. great duplexes. Some might have triplexes, fourplexes, 50 plexes, who knows? So right. yeah, very cool. Um, all right. I love that answer, by the way. Uh, number three, is it, is this is very closely Same, related. Similar. Huh? It's a very closely, but I'm going to actually change it for my very first investment. Should I consider a single or multi? I think the best thing for for most people is to find a four unit property where you're going to live in one of the units and buy it with an FHA loan. I think that's kind of the I mean my brother did that a couple of years ago and he he's really glad that he did. And uh I think that's the the cheapest you're going to get in something. I think you know, yeah, you're going to be jumping headfirst into being a property manager over three units, but you know, you can learn that stuff if you're if you're willing to, but if I was looking to get started in real estate investing, if I had to start all over, I would go buy a four-unit property and live in one of the units, and I'd use an FHA loan to do it. And I do that. I do that four times, and then you're, you know, you got 16 units. You got your four loans. It's going to take you, you know, five, six, seven years to do it, but then you're gonna you're gonna know a lot, and you're gonna be pretty well established. And I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah, that's you're wrong. <laughs> in my area no, I'm just kidding I love that in my area yeah, it's a great idea man. I think asterisk idea. yeah yeah alright what would be your first steps to make a home green we haven't really talked about green homes in a, in a long no, time I live in a green home actually I do got a yeah, not like physically I, right like you didn't paint it green no it's gray <laughs> okay uh, but it's uh, it's highly energy efficient. It's got a HERS score of 26. I don't know if, if that people that know green building know what yeah, a HERS score is. I have is, no idea what that is. It uses it uses 26 percent of the energy that a normal house built today would use. That's that's what it uses. But if you want to get into green building, if you want to green build green, you got to focus on insulation. That's the that's insulation and air leakage is where the money's at with with green building. And you know we could have a whole show about green building, and you guys should. We probably should do a whole show about green building. There's a lot of very knowledgeable people about it and there's a lot of good information about it. But um, my house is, you know, I've got foot thick walls and, you know, it's very energy efficient and my utility bills are very low for up here. How big is your house? How many square feet? uh, 3,000. 3,000. You're in Vermont. What's like your utility bill for for a 3,000 square foot greenhouse? I've got only electric. Here, I don't have any propane or oil, which most people do up here. We don't have natural gas because we're too rural. Um, but my my electric bills are under two hundred dollars a month on average for the whole year. And that's and you guys have utilities. a cold up there. It's chilly. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I've got a three thousand square foot three unit building, and I I spend forty eight hundred dollars a year heating that with oil. So yeah. I, I'm saving five thousand dollars a year by by having a greenhouse versus not a greenhouse. And I, you know, I like the way that most of the green industry thinks and their, their thought process, but I didn't do it to, to save trees or to, you know, save the environment as much as I did it from a ex, a numbers standpoint to save money. And to, I wanted to live in this house for a long time and I wanted to be comfortable. And it made financial sense for me to spend more on the building to save money on my, you know, variable costs or year to year are so much lower than everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and for a hobby, of course, you like to cut down trees, right? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Who, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? I mean, if you're in a bad, you're having a bad day, <laughs> go get a chainsaw if you know what you're doing and cut a tree down and you will feel much better. It's, like, it's funny because that's actually what people in my area do. Like I live in the <laughs> wilderness, right? Like we, Hold like, on. yeah, we live in the, I mean, I am in the lumber industry out here. Save like, the spotted owl. Yeah, you know, they, they would not allow kids to watch Ferngully. Remember Ferngully? They banned it my whole entire county back when it came out back in whatever the nineties because yeah. it was, it was about how evil the loggers were. And so yeah. my, yeah, we don't we're not allowed to talk about fern gully here <laughs> but it, we chop down trees <laughs> running, running chainsaws is fun i wouldn't want to do it for a living but no, it's fun no. to do every once in a while no. yeah 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 no. Yeah, i got a bunch of friends who did that's what they do for a job they go out in the woods yeah. and with a chainsaw and cut down trees so all that's, right moving on so. <laughs> all right uh let's go over to our world famous famous for all right these questions are asked to every single guest. And I know you've heard our show before, so you probably know what's coming, but uh, let's go with number one. What is your favorite real estate related book? I have two. Is that cheating if I tell you two? That's all good. It's, it's okay. okay. I know other people have broken the rules before, but uh, for- And they're never man- invited back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm not I'm changing my answer. No. Uh, from property management and landlording, uh, landlording on autopilot by Mark Butler is invaluable if yep. you want, if you're going to be managing tenants. And um, I love that book and I learned about it on Bigger Pockets initially and I got it and it helped me tremendously. So that's, that's one. But if you, from an investing standpoint, um, especially if you're a beginner, I like the book on investing in real estate with no and low money down by Brandon Turner. <laughs> and, uh, first and, time, I think. Yeah, I think well, that, it's, you know, there's got to be a first be. time for everything. But from a real estate investing, you know, first of all, like you guys say in the book, everything that's in that book you can find on bigger pockets. But yep. it's going to take you months and months and months on bigger pockets to, to find all that information. It's not going to be organized or laid out as straightforward as this book is. So if you're, seriously interested in getting started or if you've been doing it for a while and you want a great resource like that book is is great to do that so i i like your book brandon and it was very well done and you know i look back on it i'm like what did you know like what did brandon say about you know this loan and can i get this loan and i have people like uh like my sister-in-law she's younger she wants to get into investing and i tell her like get this book like read it you know here are the loans that Brandon says you can get and, and, and it really, um, it's a great book. So I, I recommend you. that. So I've, I've recommended it to four or five people just in the last month. That's so. awesome. I love That's it. Awesome. You know, and I think the best part of that book is the forward. The forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job, Josh. Josh wrote a great, a great forward on that book. Um, yeah. All right, so we've never done this before, but I'm going to do it right now, and Josh can edit this out if he doesn't like it later. But let's have oh, a let, we're going to have a sale in the book right now. It's going to be the keyword. If you want to buy the book, you get twenty percent off by using the the, the coupon code Graham G R A H A M. Is that how you spell your name? How long right? is how, how long is that sale good for, Brandon? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Where do we go? Two weeks. I'll give people time to listen. And so when this comes out, the two weeks following, use the discount code. How do you spell your name? G-R-A-H-A-M. All right. Two weeks after this, you can get 20% off if you want to buy the book on <laughs> Bigger Pockets at biggerpockets.com. And, and I'm not no getting any of the proceeds. <laughs> You're not. The book. <laughs> I, I'm not. I wasn't prompted to answer that question. And Brandon, no, we thank Brandon you decided that he wanted 20% less of a cut <laughs> right. on the sale of these books. So I just, want everybody to read this done. thing. I want every yeah, person in America done. to have this book on their shelf. All right. It's, it's uh, no, book. I'm just kidding. Thank you. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, uh, I think yours. it's my turn. Can I, can I speak? Hey, Graham, what's your favorite business book? 
You son oh. of a... <laughs> hey, Graham, what is yes, your favorite Josh. business book? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked me that. Yes. Um, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill uh, really was a great book. And yes, it, it I love it because it works. I mean, it really does. If, it's not an easy read. I mean, it's written in the, what, the 30s? But it's it really has helped. And it, it cemented a lot of the things that were kind of, again, in the back of my head. Like, is this really working or, you know... But if you set your mind on something and you want to accomplish it, you know, and this, which is what I kind of feel the book is saying, you know, if you internalize that and you think about it subconsciously, you're going to attract things to you that are going to reflect what you're thinking about. And, and it's, it's an amazing book. It works in all aspects of life, not just real estate investing or, or, but any business. I saw it firsthand in the hockey world. It's a great book. And honestly, again, I learned about it on Bigger Pockets. The first book that I read that was recommended by Bigger, a Bigger Pockets forum member. And, um, I love it. And then it works. I mean, I get, I get calls and I'm just like, man, that was, I was just thinking about that last week. And, um, it's, it's strange. It's eerily strange how it works, but it's, it's That's cool. great. That's great. All right, man. What do you do for fun? What, what kind of hobbies do you got besides hockey? Snooze fest. I got- I, I always struggle with this answer because when I hear other people on the podcast, they've got like these great, like, oh, I go cliff jumping. Wait, and didn't we have a guy who like hikes a crawler? I hike the Andes. I don't have any time to do anything. I've got, I mean, Josh, you can back me up in this. I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I, yeah. It's all I can do to, to do what I need to do with real estate and spend time with them. I, I really, I don't have any real hobbies. I mean, I, I still play hockey twice a week with my men's league team. And um, so that's pretty much my social time. Other than that, it's, it's full-time real estate and kids. So I'm looking forward to the day where I'll have a little bit more time, but I'm really trying to enjoy my family while they're young and, and spend as much time as I can with them. And real estate enables me to have a more flexible schedule to spend time with them. But I get so jealous of Brandon when he's... <laughs> He's talking about his how much of responsibility of his cats are, and it's like hey, it's tough to look after them. I got to change yeah. the litter box once a day. I mean, come on. I know, I know. I mean, I wish I could leave my kids for like a weekend and pour like some Cheerios <laughs> on the counter and be like, okay, I'll be back in three days. Uh, your mom and I will see you. We love you. You know. By the way, for any of the authorities listening, Graham lives at. <laughs> All right, all right. Moving on. Final question from me: What do you believe? sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I thought a lot about this. Um, Self-confidence is what separates, I think, the people that succeed that don't. And a lot of little of this comes from my past as a hockey player, but a lot of people think it's motivation. You hear a lot of, oh, they got to be motivated. They got to be motivated. And I think that's true, but I think motivation is a combination of two things. It's a combination of of desire and then self confidence. And a lot of people have the desire; they want to do it, and they never get started. You know, they think they're motivated, but they're not really motivated. They they just have a, a lot of desire. So, what's holding them back, in my opinion, is they don't have the self confidence to take action, to, to take the next step. I think that's where like analysis paralysis comes from a little bit. You, you're constantly learning, and you desire, and you want that thing to happen, but you just don't feel like you're ready to do it or you don't think you deserve it or you're not confident that you're going to be successful. And so I think if you find that you are 
you feel like you're motivated and you want to achieve, but you're not, I think it's, you're really experiencing desire with a lack of self-confidence. So you just need to believe in yourself and go out and start to make things happen because they will happen. And, you know, I think, so the lack of self-confidence is, I think, I think that's what paralyzes most people and what makes people like not do it. They just don't believe that they're good enough. And like I said, this is true in real estate, but it's also, it's true in the sports world as well. A lot of, there's a lot of really good athletes that never make it because they just don't believe that they can make it. And, uh, there's a lot of athletes that make it because they fake it till they make it. You know, they're just, they think they're the best and they act like they're the best. And eventually it happens. It's, it's, so it kind of goes in with that, you know, the book, uh, think and grow rich. But, you know, if you find yourself in that situation, build your self-confidence, you know, little steps, like find ways to, to, you know, have little victories and it'll add up to a bigger victory and you'll, you'll get that feeling like you can do it and then you'll go out and you'll do it. You know, that was probably one of my favorite answers I've ever heard on the podcast. Like, I don't know if I've ever, ever said the self-confidence before, but I think that is so important. I mean, people listening to this should like rewind that last like minute and listen again. Cause I think that was huge. I love that. There you go. There you go. Michael Thanks. Jordan once said, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that s- s- smiley? Yeah. John, Neil Frankel or whatever. whatever. No, yeah, what's that name? was Senator was, Al Franken. Was, that's his name. It was, it was Michael Jordan on, oh, yeah, on SNL. With Stuart was Smalley. It, yes. Wasn't someone on this podcast on Saturday Night Live? I, oh, I heard that, 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 <laughs> all right. Moving on. Graham, where can people find out more information about you? Uh, bigger pockets, you know, from a real estate perspective, um, I'm on Twitter, but I, I'm not super active with that. It's a lot of sports stuff. It was kind of developed from a hockey standpoint. I'm going to be switching over to more real estate stuff if I get time. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, He's on you know, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Yeah, but bigger, bigger pockets is is my chosen forum. I mean, that's if you want to talk to me about anything, um, if you're looking, you have questions, if you want to invest in Vermont, you know, anywhere, look nice. me up. I'll, you'll find me there. And also be sure to look him up on YouTube where you can see the best of Graham Mink smacking <laughs> no, people get, across the head. <laughs> I played 800 professional hockey league games and there's like four Whoa. fights on there. So my, <laughs> and they're not very good ones. So don't and waste your time. that's the only video that exists of you. <laughs> yeah. Here's, no here's a video of Graham it. on the ice. Here's yeah. another video of Graham getting knocked on the ice. <laughs> there's one particular video where the announcer uh, it's just brutal on me. And there's a little history between me and the announcer and he, we, we're not, we didn't get along very well. So nice. take whatever he says with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch it now. All right, Graham, listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. A lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed doing the show with you. And, uh, we thank you for coming on. And of course, thank you for being such a big fan of ours. And, and, uh, thanks for participating and, and being a part of the bigger pockets family. We will look forward to seeing around seeing you around and anyone listening you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 119 thanks guys you're welcome guys thank you very much for having me and i, I look forward to meeting you guys in person at the 2015 bigger pockets <laughs> summit yes he said it now it has to happen josh <laughs> we're gonna have a petition we're gonna start one change.org it's gonna be a <laughs> do it do what you gotta do all right i want to see somebody do that all right we'll get, we're getting out of here Josh, thanks guys. It's right. been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Thank Graham, you. No, seriously. Thanks, man. It was, uh, it was definitely, are, are we still recording? Sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take us out right now? We'll do that. Intro. A lot of, uh, do you want me to? Should I do all the way through? Because yeah, I just stop. Well, let's go back then and let's fix nah, it. We got this. We got this. Nah, this is terrible. <laughs> this is good. This is good. People like this stuff right here. Nobody this is, likes you. This is what. This is what the podcast is like when we don't hit the oh, edit button. Oh, stop. Graham, uh, <laughs> you know, I got my agent like texting me. I got to go look at a property. So I'm going to get out of here. Graham, it's been a pleasure. Everybody listening, I'm Josh Dorkening. I'm not signing out yet, but check out biggerpockets.com if you've not already done that. If you've not yet written us a rating or review on iTunes, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. We really, really appreciate that. It helps us a lot. It helps us expand our viewership, our listenership. And, uh, Thanks a million, guys. Thanks for being a part of our world. And thanks for being out there helping to improve our communities, our neighborhoods, fixing up properties, giving people a good place to live. We are, we are changing lives. We are helping people out. That's what real estate investors do. And it's a beautiful thing. And we don't talk about it enough. So I'm going to just spit it out here. Anyway, I'm out. Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily boot camp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily boot camp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.